Welcome to Empire Building, the podcast where we talk about building big businesses and even bigger lives. I'm your co-host, Wendy Papazan. I'm Via Williams. I'm Seychelle Van Poole. And I'm Sarah Reynolds. And today will be the final episode of our hiring process. Whew, we've made it. <laughs> this has been quite the process <laughs> to go over. Um, in today's episode, we are going to discuss the last phases of hiring. So I guess after this episode, we've officially made it. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about uh, reference checks. And these aren't your average reference checks. We're going to talk about the defense part of the process. And then how you set proper expectations and actually make an offer to the person that you want to hire. Let's dive into reference checks. Now, a lot of people have been doing them wrong, me included, for many, many years, right? Uh, which is just like in almost like, oh, reference checks, check. <laughs> like I called and talked to a couple yeah. people, <laughs> right? Um, I got that done. And so what are, Via, I know that you have sort of a different way that you do these reference checks. D- dive in with us on how you do your Yeah, we, checks. we're very systemized with our reference checks. And just like anything here, I, I look forward to you guys kind of telling us what you do because I have a feeling it's slightly different. So what we do is I have a Google form and we, we, we're filling it out in real time while we're on the phone with the reference, number one. Uh, number two, it's the exact same questions. It's been the exact same questions for six, seven, eight years. Mm-hmm. You know, we are, And we have a wild card question. And the wild card question at the end is really where my concern is with the candidate. So if they're going to be, say, a recruiter that I'm hiring, and I'm a little concerned with maybe their aggressiveness, I'm probably going to add in an aggressive or assertive question. If it's an ops person Mm -hmm. and I'm just not sure their level of tech, then you know I'm going to add in I'm going to add in a tech question. So that that's kind of what I do. Uh, What I do not do all of my own reference checks, and that right there is controversial. I know not everyone agrees with that. However, I think that's pretty common. Mm -hmm. I think it's okay. Yeah. I think I think it's one of those things that you can leverage out. Mm-hmm. You know, Wendy, here's where I feel strongly about it, though. I require my people to give three types of reference checks. Mm-hmm. They need to give personal job. And here, here's what Bia does. And again, this could be not what you do. They have to give me people they've direct reported to. Those are the ones I do personally. And I, mm-hmm. I require it. And, you know, it, it, I have learned more from those one-on-one conversations with their managers and their direct reports than anything. Yeah. Well, and remember, this is at the end of probably nine hours together. And so unlike most reference checks where you're just kind of getting to know that person, this is really where at the end, you're really just looking for red flags. You're like, tell me, or you're really looking like, how can I help this person grow in in what they need to do? Oh, 100%. You know, I always say, Wendy, that that we don't we don't hire perfect. What we need to do is hire and understand how someone's going to show up. And yes. to me, the reference yeah. checks are just a way to to verify what I That's think. Awesome. That's a nugget right there. I I so agree with that. Hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. So so I'm the other thing, up. and I think we all do this, guys. So chime in. But we have them sign a release that we can ask for references from the references. We try to go three mm-hmm. D. And what that means is if, if I call you, Seychelle, and I go, hey, Seychelle, this is Bea Williams, and I'm I'm calling because we're talking to a candidate about coming to work with us, and uh, they gave me your name, said they used to work for you, and love to ask you a few questions if you had a few minutes. And then sure. what would happen is we would go through, and then the last question I ask is, hey, Seychelle, who else do you know that has experience with X and can give us a different perspective, and, and do you happen to have their contact information? And so then we go to X and then we hopefully ask X and X gives us Y. So hopefully we're going three deep. 
I find that when we all run in the same social circles, that I'm just doing that on my own anyway. I'm already, I'm just starting to ask everybody reference check questions, whether they gave me their names or not. So, one, one time, I have a horror story around this the time that I didn't go uh, three levels deep. So, I I was used to doing just traditional sort of reference checks that aren't this process. And um, of course, the, the initial people they give you, they give them a heads up and they are sort of already scripted as to what they want them to say, right? I found out later... So I hired this this guy and he was... I promoted him as our lead inside sales department. So for those that know my business, our inside sales department is the heart of our company. So I put him in, as the lead in the inside sales department. What I later found out from working with him is that he was the type of person that he would, you know, put everyone else down mm. around him to make himself appear yes. better. Do you know, have yes. you been around those people? Um, and he was the leader. So what was happening was he was putting our agents down. He was putting other ISAs down. And he was so convincing that I started believing oh, him wow. all that he said. It, and um, I almost lost my entire company because of this one bad oh. hire. And I later found out that had I have gone three levels deep with the initial references that he had given, this would have come up. But I didn't follow the process. I didn't go three levels deep. And it would have come up because the other people that he worked with at those other companies have had said the same thing. And of course, I found out later. um, But it literally almost destroyed my entire company. And it's because I skipped that one step of not going uh, three levels deep. So it's so, so important. Have you guys ever gotten like pushback from when you're doing the reference checks, getting pushback from the person you're talking to about giving anyone else for them a to talk bit. to? Yeah. But, yeah. But I did, you know, ideally you'd go three levels deep on all nine of the references, but the reality is, is you're not going to. And so you really only need to get a couple levels deep or three levels deep on one of those references. Just somebody who's not been coached or is just going to give you a little bit more honest opinion. Yeah, you're yeah, you're really trying to get to the right. just the unbiased opinion. You know, one question that we added in on ours um, that I haven't heard mentioned yet today is I actually if if the reference check is going well and we feel like okay, this is a candidate that we actually think we'll probably move forward with because you know we're we're now several in, as we actually start asking them um, if it's a salesperson, you know, would you feel comfortable referring them business or would you feel comfortable, you know, buying or selling your house with them? And it's interesting because I've had reference checks where they go, great, 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 great. And all of a sudden you start hearing, no, I wouldn't use them though. No, I wouldn't use them. You're like, wait a second. Mm. Like, so you kind of dig into that. Or I've had the opposite where we've had people join our company and people have said, yes, I absolutely would use them. And actually our this candidate walks into the business now with referrals that we've gotten them during the process. And so that's one question that's wow. helped us in really just making sure we understand, is this a referable candidate or not? Have you guys any hired anybody where they didn't get all great reference checks? I'm curious. Well, I think so. Yeah, I I have. Not great, but just... um, I think, again, it's like understanding who you're going to be in business with. And uh, one of the things that Gary Keller, who's one of my mentors, says is that, you know, we all... We all understand what the upside is of someone, and we and we learn to you know love the upside. But what we're trying to figure out is what's the downside, and can we live with the downside? Uh, because like I think it was Seychelle was saying, we you know no one's going to be that perfect fit. It's just not possible. So can you live with the downside? And if you if the answer is yes, then be okay with it. And if it comes up, just know that 
you're the one that hired them. So and here's why decision. I asked the question, Wendy. Thank you. That was a huge nugget to me. Huge yes, nugget. Me too. But the reason I asked the question, and, and I just want to kind of talk about it, I know we need to move on to the next step. It's that talented people who have been in high-level leadership positions are often controversial. And they don't always get 100% great reference checks. And, and I wanted to share that because I think it's yeah, an important thing to talk about. You know, that's such, that's such a good point, though, because if, if you're working with somebody who is an A-plus player, right, and they, they, they want to see a, an organization grow or they want to be someone that, that plays with other A players and is playing in an amazing environment, and that's what you're attracting them into, if they're coming out of a B and C environment, they might actually have come across as a real jerk, right? Or if they're in an environment where somebody above them is stifling them or trying to hold them back or feeling threatened by their potential, you might actually get a really negative reference on them. So yeah, I totally see where you're coming from on that. Yeah. And that's part of why building a team is so hard. That is exactly (laughs) why empire building is so hard. Because not only do you have that one person, but you have to fit all of the pieces together. And so hopefully those of you that are listening will understand that even though you're still going to make bad hires, you're still going to you're going to make horrible decisions even if you follow this process, if you do it over and over and over and over again over the lifetime of being a leader, you're going to look up and you're going to at least have the ability to make better decisions yes. versus, you know, hiring someone based on a 30-minute interview where literally someone could tell you anything that they wanted. To. Wendy, that's so good. Totally agree. Wendy, here's what I know. Here's what I know. When we are empire builders, and and this is really important, Sarah 1.0, Wendy 1.0, Seychelle 1.0, Via 1.0 was the old us. We are failing forward every day. And I have a feeling that that, that the Sarah, Wendy, Via, Seychelle 2.0s are a lot better leaders, right? You know, I'm on like 44.0. Right. Where I'm on, like, what right. point are you on? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but my point is, is that is that if you were going to ask reference checks of my leadership maybe eight years ago, I, I don't know how good they would be. And, yeah. and I would own that, yeah. so by true. the way. Mm-hmm. I would yeah. own that. Yeah, well, and it just takes guts to look at your organization and see what it needs and mix it up and change it. And, you know, there's just, there's parts of me where I'm just like, I know that's not perfect in my organization. And honestly, I don't always have the guts to fix it, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's just a part of leadership is just, you got to get your, you got to, you get stronger and stronger and you learn more and more and you fail along the way. And well, and I mean, one of my favorite quotes is what Mark Cuban says, which is perfection is the enemy of progress. And so a, a lot of times things aren't going to be perfect. And every every hire, the way that you f- follow the process, it's not perfect every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, the main and, thing is making yeah, progress. Yeah. And a lot of entrepreneurs, that's not their natural behavior right. either. Nowhere yes. anywhere near that. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Yeah. Okay. So I know that uh, Via mentioned earlier that they keep a file on their computer. And she uh, started alluding to the next start of the step in the process, which is the defense. Uh, so Via, what do you do with that file in your on your computer? Yeah, this is... Um, so I uh, send it to, uh, in my case, typically it's my CEO who I direct report to. And uh, and we talk about it. And, you know, I kind of share with him the pros and cons of the candidate, just like you guys probably mm-hmm. do. What I'm really looking for in the role, I find that the more clarity I have of what their top 20% is going to be, the better I can I can defend mm. it to to my That's CEO good. and, and to good. myself, by the way, you know, and and talk about how I think they're going to show up, where where I'm going to have to spend time coaching them and where I probably won't, and uh, what my expected results are. And and I'll tell you what, my CEO really, really pushes back on me. And, and I like it that way. It's good. 
So for our listeners that had never heard the term top 20%, explain a little bit more what you mean by that. So, so what I mean by that, and, and you guys can feel free to chime in, is, is this is what we do in our organization, Sarah. What we do is we make a very detailed list of everything someone's either going to be accountable to or have to do in yep. a role. Yep. And we take that list and we, we black out the bottom 80% and we hire to the top 20% of it. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. And, and we just mm-hmm. know that you cannot get someone who's always going to be great at 100% of everything in their role. So we have to decide yeah. if it's a sales role, are they going to be great at sales? And because guess what? They may not be great at reporting. They may not be great at paperwork, but we don't want to hire for mm-hmm. that if it's below the 20%. Well, I'd say, Via, we even narrowed even further, which is what are the, what are the three things... Uh, where if they're crushing those three things, we don't really care about mm-hmm. everything else. Exactly. Like that's awesome. Yeah. Spot on. Yeah. Yeah. So Via, you go to the CEO of the company, Wendy and Seychelles. Do you guys do like a committee for the defense or how do you run the defense part of it? Well, and then, you know, just to, I hate to like jump back, but just to jump back with the group interview, you know, which is, I'm not sure we fully laid that out, which is essentially you've got that, that many people asking the candidate questions and then you get feedback from your organization. But then this is going to be a much smaller group than that. It's not going to be, it's not going to be everyone. It might just be maybe like three people in your organization who are going to just really, it's what they're, what they're, they're not really at that point, they're not really there to do anything, but make sure you follow the process. That's really all they're doing. Because the black hat should have happened in the group interview right. where you told them what you're not looking for. It's really for, for them to be like, did you do this? Did you do that? Did you do this? Did you do that? Did you do this? Did you, because it's so easy to not to do all that stuff. Seven interviews, for goodness sake. Yep. So what, what's the purpose of the defense? Just to make sure that everything is followed, right? I mean, pretty much. That's, I mean, that's how I view it in my organization. Because if you're having someone pull coals at that point, Right, and if somebody comes is is uncovering things at that point, the only thing that they're uncovering is is that you didn't do reference checks, right? Okay, Wendy. Well, you know what? That's part of the process. We need to do that. And and honestly, nobody's gonna. I don't. I know. I don't want to walk into a defense and have somebody in my organization say, "Hey, you didn't follow the process." You know. So it's it's just a checks and balance, really. That's for interesting because ours is yep. ours is much more probably heated, honestly. Like we go through the group interview Mm -hmm. and actually we took a note out of Wendy's book. She taught us that every single team member has one question and that they're like targeted to ask instead of leaving it up to the team member. You really script and plan that out ahead of time. Thank you for that because that's what we do. And we, we very quickly after that group interview get together with the key stakeholders that need to be bought in on that decision of that person. I don't care what decision they make, but they, they are the ones that are going to own that person joining the organization. And so that's the point actually in the defense where I push it out of my territory and onto theirs going, this is going to be your direct report or this is your, this is your person that you are going to live with every single day. Are you, are you truly comfortable with that? Is that something you truly want? And what are, what are the things that we have not addressed with them we need to make sure we're doing? So we actually go, that's a pretty like, meaty, in-depth discussion. I, I, and, I, and I really respect that. And I, and I think that if you're in, a, especially if you're in a larger right. organization where you're, where you as the leader are trying to versus, versus, so you as the, somebody else has done the hiring, right? Where you as a, as a leader are interrogating them about that hire versus 
you as a leader having input from your people. That's that's what I would say the difference would be. And I would I would go even further where you could ask that person, hey, if if your job depends on this person succeeding, are you still okay? Are with you willing to them? stake your job on that's their good. success? That's what my CEO yeah, yeah, always yeah. asks me. And but to, to go back to something Wendy said, I think Wendy's point, and I agree with the point is that you really don't want to do reference checks and you are, until you're almost positive you're going to hire them. But the reference checks are there to really veto at that point. Mm-hmm. To really to really it's it's theirs to lose at reference checks. And so I think to Wendy's point, her point is like you better poke as many holes as possible before the whole organization goes calling potentially 27 people and mm-hmm. spending hours and hours and and then disrupting their lives by talking to their former colleagues and you know and everything. So I just wanted to add that in. Love that. Well, I have sort of a, a different take on it at this point because I, for me, recently in my organization, a lot of the big hires I've made are leadership mm-hmm. positions, which have been different than previous people I've hired. Yeah. Um, and so what I have found m- myself doing a lot is during this sort of defense section is going to someone outside of my organization that I respect. So my last big hire, I reached out to Gary Keller and sort of presented him everything uh, from the process. I know uh, Via was involved with my expansion partner hire recently. So like getting people from outside your organization that you respect and talking it through with them, I think is is also really important when it's when it's something that you're you haven't done before maybe mm-hmm. um, like like a major leadership position, for example, getting some people that you respect outside mm-hmm. of your organization's take on it. so the so the final part, so this has been so good, and I have a a page of uh, gold nuggets. So during our our recap, I'm going to try to keep it as short as possible. But (laughs) the final part is setting the expectations and making an offer. Okay. So one of my uh, mentors, John Maxwell, uh, says, disappointment is the gap that exists between expectation and reality. Um, It's so, so important to set expectations up front. And I learned to do this in the process of when you're hiring them, right? When you're setting up the offer and setting those expectations up front. Seychelle, can you tell, tell me more about that? Well, and I hate to jump in, but just especially remember that up to this point, it's been all about them. Yes. Right? It's been yes. all about them. Maybe they've read a job description in a job interview, but you haven't really had any substantive discussions about what the job is going to entail. That hopefully, if they're a good candidate, they've asked you some questions. But this part's so important because you know so much about them and and they know very little probably about the job or what it entails or anything like that, which is kind of backwards. No, that that totally really good point, Wendy. So Seychelle, can you tell me more about like how that looks in terms of setting expectations? So what we do is we um, go over in our organization with the candidate, we go over the big picture of what the role is going to be first. And then we take the top three to five things that they are responsible for in succeeding in their role. And we list those out first. And then we say, instead of giving them... like We have a checklist of your first 21 days or your first 30 days in the organization that you need. we need to nail on training you and you need to nail on really getting down in order to make this a win. But before we hand that to them, I say, if you are going to nail these three or five things inside of our organization, I want you to make a list of all the things you think you're going to need to succeed. And I want us to review that. And so we actually have them do a little bit of homework and make a list of what they think they need or what they think they need to do in order to succeed on that. And then we basically use that as a metric to come in with our checklist and make sure we're matching up to their learning style, make sure we're matching up to the expectations of the role. And we try to keep the list of 
what the actual expectations are of them and those first 30 days really tight because otherwise we feel like we're creating a huge generalized you know, checklist instead of really getting them into the key performing metrics of their role as fast as possible. What about you, Wendy and Via? Does that look different with you or pretty much the same? Yeah, I go into the, you know, how do I win with you? How do I lose with you? And then I have a pre-typed out how they win with me and how they lose with me. Funny story Mm -hmm. on that. I have it on, I have a binder and I have this whole list of how to win with me and how to lose with me. And the other day, so the other day, one of my team leaders was driving me bonkers. She was just blowing up my phone and whatever. And by the way, it's on my how to win with me. Like you have to bug me to get something done because I I, I just have a lot in my plate. And so at a certain point, I'm like, okay, like, okay, Okay, you know, I understand. And, And she sent me a screenshot of it. <laughs> yeah. like, it's yeah. one of the biggest ones is bullet points instead of paragraphs. I'm like, if you send yes. me a four page write up mm. of like what you want on this, like I'm gonna, I'm just gonna respond back with one sentence that says bullet points. That's that's yeah. what it's gonna say. <laughs> um, so oh, they know, like, if they want something done or they need a decision, it's gonna have to be bullet points because I'm, I'm not gonna read your twelve yeah. pages. So you set the expectation and then the exciting part, which is the oh, offer. Finally finally. Me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I know it's funny is by this point, they think they're applying for the CIA or something <laughs> like that because it's been all these interviews. They're just like, I don't know what's next. They're so grateful. And, and before we jump into the offer, I just want to have everyone understand that the process actually will bind a good candidate to you, especially when your organization is little and you don't have a lot to offer in terms of, you know, organizational benefits. Like maybe you don't even have health insurance. Who knows? But a a, a talented um, person will be attracted to your organization because first of all, nobody has ever taken the time Uh, interview after interview after interview to learn about them like you've done. Like literally nobody has ever done that to to them in their life. And so understand that by following the process, you can actually get a higher caliber caliber person than you maybe even deserve at that point in your development as a business. And so that's just follow the process. Well, in some of the questions you've asked, like in the motivational interview and in, in life story, for example, no one has ever no. done that. Yeah. And so then when you're bringing them on, you're telling them basically, we believe that you can meet your five-year goals here. Yeah. Um, and this is how you're going to do it. it. It's so, it's truly life-changing for them and for your organization when you bring them on. So I think out of all of us, uh, Via probably has made the most offers. Yes. Do we agree? <laughs> I've made a lot of I've made a lot of offers. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us about the offers. The last the last. Step so I think the important thing to talk about offers is 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 to framework it and and how I've always worked even before I came into the current organization is we don't we don't focus on necessarily salary or commission or whatever we focus on what we call OTE or on target earnings. And so coming into the process, we've always spoken in this overarching term of of on-target earnings. And what that means is, is it's a combination of all of the different streams of income within the position that are going to make them their their salary or their money. So there's usually, in our case, there's salary, there's a profit bonus, right? And then there might be a recruiting, I call it a headcount bonus. But if it's a real estate agent, you know, it's really commission for the most part. And so um, by now, we've really gone deep and we've had a clear understanding and a lot of back and forth about it. And I've never had anyone surprised. I think that, that if you get to this point and they're surprised, 
probably you have to go back and examine your process and, and make sure that you're managing expectations. Because here's what I know. What I know is 99% of my problems with people come because I failed to manage expectations correctly. And it's no different here than it is in anything we do in life. So if we've gone through the whole process right, by the time you get to the offer, it should be a really exciting time. They're really excited to do it with you and they really want to come to work with you. I love that. Yeah. Well, and I just want to make one caveat, if possible, um, have have them meet with them in person and have them sign it right there because I've made that I've I've made that mistake. Well, actually, I have I've I haven't made that mistake, but I haven't trained my I, I hadn't trained my people in that particular aspect mm. because sometimes what can happen is you can send them an offer and if they're happy in the position that they're in, they can get a, a counter really quickly as opposed to if you're sitting with them and and then they just sign it right there. So just a, I just had that happen to do that. Yeah, and we've had that happen where we made an offer to a it's candidate. Just, it's just mm-hmm. a part of it. It's just a part of it. And um if they're really excited, they'll sign it right there. And if they're not, then you then you yeah. kind of know. Yeah, and I, I always have two copies. Hopefully we'll be able to see people in person again soon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is being recorded during the pandemic of yes, exactly. 2020. <laughs> I always yeah. have two copies of the offer letter with me for that exact yeah. reason. Thanks mm-hmm. for bringing it up. Mm-hmm. So I have one yeah. for them, one for yeah. me, and we each sign it. So what I do is I, we're finishing it up and, and I, I physically sign it in front of them on purpose. It doesn't come in pre-signed. I love that. I I often maybe so maybe I'm just not a good enough closer, you guys. But I have it happen all the time where someone will say, "This is fantastic. I'm really excited. I want to review this with my significant other before signing it." So that's something I would say probably thirty percent of the time I get that. So if you can't do it in person, I I do set deadlines. Mm-hmm. Um, set a deadline of when you need a response by right. um, to then control sort of the process. Yeah. But tomorrow, oh my god, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. This has truly, I have had the honor of meeting a lot of your people, the, the three of you. And um, after hearing your, your process and stories and things, I can see why you have such amazing people. Because honestly, when I have met most of your team members, um, I just see that you have followed the process and they fit your culture so well. And it's pretty exciting to hear. Okay, so we are officially uh, to the finish line of the hiring process. And wow, guys, I have some amazing ahas from today's episode. Uh, The first is to use reference checks to really pay attention to any last-minute red flags. Uh, That was super great, Wendy, that you brought up that that's really the reason uh, for the reference checks. And then, of course, Via's wildcard reference check question. I loved that. And then Seychelle mentioned, you know, asking the reference, would you want to work with this person? Would you refer this person in terms of buying or selling a home? That was huge for me. And then Wendy had the three things uh, that they have to crush it with in terms of shining in. So they can't be good at obviously everything, but having three things that you really are expecting them to really be good at. That was awesome. And then the on-target earnings for the offer. Yes. That was so, I wrote so that good. One that was really yes. good. Yes. Thank you. Yes. So good. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, but making sure that we have that in the offer so they know uh, what the target is. That was so great. And then I loved the um, idea of making an offer in person versus through email. That was huge for me because mm-hmm. I, we make a lot of offers in email. And yes. so we're going to exactly. start implementing that. So Big one. well, guys... Thank you so much for joining us. Our desire for all of our listeners is for you to go out there and lead a big business and an even bigger life. So remember, you are an empire builder. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to Empire Building. 
If you like what you heard, join our tribe by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform and help us spread the word by leaving a five-star rating and review. Until next time, wishing you a life worth living. And remember, you are an empire builder.